right, if you have your Bibles, grab those. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, um, that's where we'll be this morning. Uh, and then later we'll flip over to Romans uh, chapter 12 to kind of wind down. So if you want to bookmark those two places, um, feel free to do that. But 1 John 3, uh, 16, we'll get there here shortly. Um, and so kind of the game plan as we start to uh, bring the plane in for landing uh, as it pertains to this series. Um, there, there's two more sermons. There's this week and another week. It's not going to be next week. Um, because uh, I had the opportunity to go to Tennessee a few weeks ago and just, just speak at, at my mentor's um, ministry there. And uh, in that, man was dying to get him here. Uh, and so the 13th was the week that worked out best for him. So he's going to, uh, to be here next Sunday morning. Um, and so we're excited about that, having him come speak. And so uh, we'll, we'll finish up uh, this series, uh, the 20th. The 20th will be our last Sunday for Discipleship Series um, here. Uh, and so what we've done is the last two weeks, we've just, or the last week, uh, we looked at the first two phases uh, of the discipleship process. Uh, we looked at the very two, first two phases of, of the process. And what I, what I mean by that is, is when Jesus tells us in Matthew 28 to go make disciples of all nations, well, how do you do that? There's got to be a process. There's got to be a way of doing that. And, and that's what this series has done. We've just walked through that. We've looked at that. We've, we've unpacked that a little bit about what it even means to be a disciple, how, um, uh, what it means to, to walk that out, to live that out. Because what we know to be true is if Jesus tells us to do something, he's going to give us the means by which to do it, right? Like he's not going to set us up for failure. He doesn't work that way. Now, failure comes in on our part when we disobey and we don't follow like he would want us to follow. or We don't do what he's called us to do. That, that's so, so the issue is not him. The issue is us and, and our struggle and our disobedience. And so if he sets us up and calls us to do something, he is going to equip us to do it. He's going to give us the means to do it. And so, so that's what we're looking at now, the very process and how this happens. And, and the way that we do this, as you'll see this morning a little bit, is, is through relationship. We've got to be journeying with people. We've got to be doing life with people. And more so than just like, man, hey, how's the tires on your truck? Or can you believe it was 70 degrees yesterday? Or man, all this toilet paper getting gone again, what's that about? I mean, it's got to, it's got to go deeper than that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's got to be, got to be real meaningful type, life on life conversation, walking together type stuff where you get to hear people's heart, you get to see people's hearts lived out, different things like that. And in that, we get to assess and we get to watch and we get to see and we get to listen for certain things which will give us indicators of where people are at in the process. Give us indicators of where people are at in the process. And so I just want to remind us again up front, and I'll do it again here in two weeks, is that this is not an elitist way to talk. So as you see words that come up on the screen, and as you see words that I'm going to, to mention and talk about in process, that this is not an elitist way to talk. It doesn't make someone more special than someone else. It doesn't make uh, someone uh, better than someone else. It's not a way to just downgrade people or downplay people. It, it, that's not it at all. It's a tool to assess a tool to assess. And the reality is this, every single one of us has been in one of these stages in the process and are currently in one of these phases and stages of this process. The second thing I want to remind us is this, is that, is that what does God want to say to you personally? So, so as we talk about and as we unpack and as we look at, what is God saying to you specifically? Because I am a firm believer that you're not here by accident. That, that, that you're, you didn't just happen to walk in or you didn't just hap, happen to come in because, of, but, but that God has a plan and he has called you to this time, to this place for this specific purpose because he wants to speak. He wants to talk to you. He wants to communicate to you. He, he wants to show you who he truly is and how great he truly is. 
He wants to let you know the truth about you, even where you're at in process, because I believe he wants you to go further than you've ever gone. And in order to do that, you've got to understand and know where you're at. So, so the question is this, that I want you to always be looking and asking, God, what, what do you want to say to me personally? What do you want to speak to me personally? And then the next thing is, okay, what do I need to do as a result of this truth? What, how do I need to respond as a result of what I've heard and what God said to me and what he's spoken to me by way of his Holy Spirit. And then the last thing I want to remind us is this. Now, how can I step into somebody else's life and help them progress? God, how can you use me as a tool in someone else's life? How can I be the hands and feet of God in someone else's life for spiritual maturity, for growth, for progressing in their walk? And so last week we looked at the first phase, which was spiritually dead. And spiritually dead is just simply someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who's never been born again, who has never come to faith in, in Jesus Christ, who's never entered into relationships, saw themselves as lost and in great need of a Savior, and, and fully went all in faith. I'm, I'm his, I'm yours, I see myself, I'm in need of you, and through faith enter into relationship with Jesus, which makes them right with God. And that could be somebody that has been in the church for years and knows a lot about Jesus, or that could be somebody that wants nothing to do with, ch- with church at all and could be considered a- an atheist or an agnostic. Someone has no desire at all. It, it could be both gamuts of, 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 uh, on, on each side of the scale there. Someone that is hostile toward God or someone that just knows a lot about him but has never committed and has never been born again and come to faith in Jesus. And so the greatest need in someone's life who is spiritually dead is a new heart. And that happens through the proclamation of the gospel. That happens through the work of the Holy Spirit drawing them. And it happens through, through faith, uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. And so when God saves someone, once they're born again, they automatically, immediately enter into the next phase. And the next phase is, is the infant phase. And the infant phase of discipleship is very me-driven. It's characterized by, by ignorance. But it's very, very me-driven, all about my needs, my wants, me, 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 me. And I had a little baby doll up here last week, and we talked, I talked to the baby doll. I know your pastor's got issues he's working through. But, but I use it to illustrate. Well, someone say that that's, that's the stage that they go into. And then so often we just throw stuff at them and expect them to get it and to chew on it and to understand and to walk it out when they can't. They have no idea. There's, there's ignorance there, or there, there's, there's not the ability to do that. And so what an infant in the Lord needs as it pertains to discipleship is a more mature believer to walk with them, uh, to model for them some of the spiritual disciplines of God, uh, to show them, to be available, to be transparent, to have conversations around the things that may seem to be uh, very touchy or very out there, to give them freedom and the ability to, to, be, to be open and honest and share where they're at and what they're thinking, even if what they're thinking is wrong. Well, because we've got to teach, we've got to model, we've got to show, we've got to walk with. We, we've got to help aid them in growing and maturing. And it's opening up the Word of God. It's, it's, it's describing the Word of God. It's sharing the Word of God. It's walking the word of God out in front of them and modeling for them. And so then last week, I made a very, very important statement. And you're going to hear that important statement multiple times throughout the service today. You're going to hear that statement multiple times throughout the service here in a couple weeks. But the statement is this. It's okay to be where you are. Just don't be content staying in that place. 
And so if you identify in either, either of those two phases, if, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, then, then praise God you're here. And if he makes you aware of that reality, of the current phase of the stage that you're in, then praise God for that. Because what's happening is that's a work of the Holy Spirit whereby he is wooing you and drawing you in uh, because he's going to save you. He wants to save you. His desire is to seek and save the lost. And I believe that God wants to do that. Even here this morning in this place, maybe even for someone who's been in church 40 years. And has never been awakened to the reality of who Jesus Christ is as personal Lord and Savior. Or maybe it's somebody who's just wandered in or somebody who's just watching online this morning. Who's heard a little bit about some stuff, but for whatever reason, God just captivates them and keeps them there. And as they, they hear more and more and more of the gospel proclaimed and the love of God and his desire to save them and rescue them and put them back together, uh, he'll, he'll draw them in and he'll save them. So the greatest need in someone's life in that area it's for the gospel to be preached and for life to be had. And so if you're in that phase, if you're lost, praise God that you're here or that you're tuning in. I believe God wants to save. Or if you're here this morning and you're, and you're an infant in your faith, praise God. It's okay to be there. Just don't be content. Don't just stay there. It's not, it would not be cool for me as a 38-year-old man to walk around sucking on a bottle all day, would it? One that would do horrible things to my teeth. Or maybe be chewing on a passy. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Or give me some of the baby food. No, I want steak, yo. Like, I don't want baby food. I want the good stuff. Let's medium rare that thing and let's just gnaw on that. That's what I want. I don't want, I don't want the processed, like, mashed peas. Ugh. Oh. I mean, that's craziness. But, but we do it as people all the time as it pertains to where we're at spiritually. And so if you're at that place, it's quite all right. Just don't stay there. Let's, let's do the difficult work of pressing in and asking the Holy Spirit and the Lord to help press us along in maturity. And, and, and so what I've learned, what I've come across is, is this, is, is that we tend to think of ourselves kind of being further along than we really are. We tend to kind of assess ourselves and look at ourselves in a, in a much different way than we do others. We're much more grace-driven. We're much more uh, forgiving. We, we kind of favor us on that scale. And so my hope is that through this is that God would be pointed and would be honest with you. He'd be pointed and he'd be honest with me. And that in that we would get that, we'd receive that, and then ask the Holy Spirit to do the work of helping us mature and grow. Helping press us on. And I said last week, and I'm just really, I believe this with everything in me, spiritual maturity isn't always marked by physical age or how long you've been saved. I don't care that you're 50. I don't care that you're 60. I don't care that you're 70. I don't care that you're, you're 30. I don't care that you're 25. I, I've, known, I've known 18-year-olds. I've known 15-year-olds who are much more spiritually mature than a 40-year-old. And so it doesn't have anything to do with your age. And it doesn't have anything to do with your church attendance. Yeah, church attendance sh should be a good thing. We're, we're called to gather together, not to forsake the assembling of the saints, right? We're, we're called, there should be a heart desire and a, and a longing to be here as the family of God and hear the word of God proclaimed and, and sing songs back to, back to our God and reflect back to him how much we love him, how much we value him. That should be the heartbeat of every believer. But that doesn't always mark someone as spiritually mature or not. Because the motive and the reason why we came in here that's where maturity lies. Why are you here this morning? Why have you sang this morning? Why are you reading this morning? Why are you following along this morning? So, so maturity goes further than that. See, see, maturity is shown by what we say, what we do, and how we respond to God's truth. Maturity is made evident in the things that we say. I mean, how do you talk? 
What, what do you say throughout the week? And see, and it's, it's easy because we're here and we're all like, we're common ground and we know Jesus here and we're like, yes, that's, we've gathered at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. But what does, your, what does your talk look like at home this afternoon? Kids are going crazy when you're trying to get them down. Or, or tomorrow morning, Monday, because Monday always blows up, does it not? And work gets crazy and people are just out there and it's just, what, what does your talk look like then? Maturity is shown by the, what we say. It's shown by what we do, how, how we respond to that. How do we act? How, how, do, we, how do we act in certain ways? How do we, how do we pr- uh, uh, present ourselves? How do we live out? And then thirdly, maturity is shown in the way that we respond to God's truth. So when he says something to our heart, when we read something in the scriptures, maturity presses in and moves toward. Immaturity justifies, denies, and continues to rebel and justify self. That's what immaturity does. So so how do we respond in that? Because what we know to be true is what's in the heart comes out, right? It comes out through the mouth, and it comes out through the way that we act. And so let's, let's just, let's just, let's just let's dabble for a minute since I'm already kind of in here doing this. Let's just, let's just let's play for a second. I, I don't want you to respond. I don't want you to raise hands. I just, just, just think for a moment. Let's, let's assess for a second how we've walked out in obedience this week to the Lord, how we've, how we've presented ourselves as mature or immature. And, and so, and so this, this would be some questions I would ask us to kind of uh, diagnose where we're at. The first question would be this. Uh, what does your time with the Lord look like? I mean, have you, have you spent time reading his word? Because, I mean, you will never mature if this is all you get. You'll never mature past infancy if you just eat once a week at the table. I mean, there is a feast that is offered, and don't sell yourself short to one gathering of 45 minutes of God's word being opened and proclaimed. I mean, get in there, dig around, see what he's saying, see who he is, grow in your knowledge and understanding of him. Fall more in love with him. Spend time with him through his word. So what does your time with the Lord look like this week? Reading the word. Or what about praying? I mean, have you been on your face before God this week? I mean, have you cried out to him this week? Have you made your uh, uh, prayers known? Maybe another way to kind of assess how we're doing maturity-wise. Who have you served this week? I mean, who have you given your life away for? In service. Regardless of what you get back. Because the mature do. The one that's progressing in maturity serves. Who, who have you had gospel conversation with? Who have you had conversation, intentional conversation, around the word of God, around the reality of who God is? What about this? What has God asked you to do that you didn't want to do? What has God asked you to do that you didn't want to do? But then you do it anyways. Even though it didn't maybe feel like it benefits you or it makes you comfortable or something that you even liked or even enjoyed in the moment? What has God pressed upon your heart to do that, that you did in spite of you? What about this? What have you given away? What have you given away with no repayment in mind intended? How have you been in, in being the bigger person this week maybe? I hate being, anybody hate being the bigger person? I hate being the bigger person. Gosh, I hate it. Oh, you want to talk about maturity issues right now? I, I go crazy in a moment with that junk, you know? I'm just like, God, are you kidding me? He's like, I did it for you, didn't I? Oh, you did, okay. I'm in you, right? You are. God, you're in me. Yes, I know. Okay. I'll. And he deals with me and does this little work in me. But oh, just, oh. Why don't, let them be the bigger person once. 
But Scott, I'm using you to teach, and I'm using you to, and I'm shaping you and forming you. And, and, and Bo, I mean, you still got a long way to go. Oh, who, who have you had to be the bigger person with this week? How have you reacted in those pressure situations this week? How have you reacted? How, how, have you just let it go? Have you fa- maybe fallen on the floor, kicking and screaming and railing and whining and crying? I mean, how have you reacted in those pressure situations? And so those are just a few questions that we can ask ourselves to see, okay, where am I at in process? Because the way that we respond, the way that we talk, the way that we do uh, would give a great indication of where we're at spiritually. Whether we're acting like mature believers and we've progressed to that or whether we're acting like immature believers. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at the, the next phase in the discipleship process. And it's that of the child. It's that of the child phase. And so our desire should be that of growth, should be that of maturity, should be that of getting better in anything that we do, right? Like we should want to progress past. We should want to get better. We should want to get stronger. We should want to know more and, and grow, in everything that we do, but it should be the same for us in our relationship with Christ as it pertains to spiritual things. As it pertains to spiritual things. It, it, would, be, it would be like this, kind of a picture that I was thinking of to try to, to, try to indicate and, and, and illustrate for us um, what I'm talking about. It'd be, it'd be like this, like, hey, you want to shoot, shoot some hoops, dude? You want to play some ball? Let's, let's, I, I, so I call some people up, and we're going to play some basketball. You, you, we got, I got some of you coming over. You, um, uh, so I'm going to get some of you. We're going to play some basketball. And so you show up at my house, and then what I do is this. I get this right here. Like, all right, boys, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's go. Let's play. You in? I mean, we, we can play some horse. You want to play some horse? Let's play horse. Hold up. Give me just a second. It's got this sweet little feature on it. Let's play. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get a little crossover here. Let's do it. You in? I mean, they, okay, we, we play one-on-one. Or, I mean, we can play some horse right here. Oh, I'm not that good at it, but, but, I mean, we can, I mean... I mean, how crazy would you think I'd be if you, like, you showed up and I say, we're going to play some ball. Like, you come in your headband, I paint. You don't wear eye paint during basketball, but if you did, that's cool. I mean, I'd be for it. Like, the tall socks, like, sweatband. I mean, like, let's do this thing. You show up like that, and then I pull this bad boy out. And, and we shoot on a rim that sings to us. I mean, would you not think that I'm crazy? Would you not think that I'm nuts? That, that, that I've just lost it? Like, like if we we're going to get a run going, like, I've got two of these things we'll put up at the, each end of the, of the concrete, and we'll, I mean... And we'll play. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're 19 months old, but that, but that ain't no grown man want to be a part of that game. I mean, can you imagine in the subdivision like that going on? Like, hey, we're just, we're just working on our team, man. We got a summer league coming up. <laughs> I mean, how crazy is that? No, 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 no. We, we, don't want, we don't want that. No, we're talking about this right here. This is what we want. We want this. Like, give us the real thing, right? I mean, let, let's, get, let's get it. Like, like, let's get the 10-foot rim. Let's put it up. Let, let's do it. Like, I'm in my head, like, really, like, holding back right now from, like, just, like, showing off some of my skills, y'all. Like, it's, I mean, I don't have much. Like, I want to spin it on my finger, give you, like, a little crossover, like, a little shit. I'm not going to do it. I'm, that's maturity. Because then it would go flying everywhere, and it'd be like, okay, we, we're not drafting him this summer. You know what I'm saying? But, like, if, if I call you over and invite you over, hey, we're going to get a run going, we're going to play some, or we're going to get a team together for this summer, I mean, this is what you're thinking of. I mean, dude, you're 38. You want the big boy rim. Give us, give us 10 feet. Let us, let us go at it. Let us, I mean, let's really, if we're going to play, let's really, really play and let's do this thing. But the sad part, the disheartening part, the heartbreaking part is that there's so many believers in the church today that, 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 that never get into the game and they're just playing with this stuff. They never dive into the things of God. 
They've never, they, they never assess where they're at. They never ask the Holy Spirit to convict and to draw and to show them. Why do you not know the Word of God? Why do you not know how to handle the situation? Why do you not tell your neighbor about Jesus? Why do you lose it with your kids all the time? Why do you talk like a sailor at work? Have I said they were talking? Not like R, but like the other stuff. <laughs> I mean, I mean why, why do you not spend time in prayer? Why do you not? Probably because you've been, playing with the, you've been playing like this, and you've never dove in and went for the big boy stuff. You've never opened up the Word of God. You've never had somebody come alongside you and press on you. And so hear me. It's, it's okay if this is the room you're playing on right now. If you stick around here long enough, we're going to get you over here. You hear me? And this isn't a ploy to grow the church or make this thing bigger. This is a ploy to, to see believers grow and mature in their walk with Jesus. And I believe God wants you playing with that and not this. Because this is silly for us, church. Can we just be honest? Like, this is silly for us. This is crazy. That we would gather and we'd want to play with that whenever God has given us the opportunity to play with this. And be really, really good at this for his glory and for his honor and for his great name. Now hear me, it takes time to go from this to this. Like if I give that to my 19-month-old, it swallows him. He falls over. It hits him. If I pass it to him, he can't catch it. He can't catch that yet. His hand-eye coordination is not there. But I roll it. Like that knocks him over. He can kind of stop that. I mean, he can shoot. And he gets all giddy like when the music plays. And so it's okay to be in that place right now. I just don't want you there. I just don't want you there six months from now. I don't want you there a year from now. I don't want you there 10 years from now. And so many in the church have been saved for so long, and they've never progressed past this to this. Never progressed past it. And so my heart is, man, I want to see God do something in your life to help you mature and grow. And we're putting things into place to help, help aid in that, to help equip in that. So maybe this is the first time you're being confronted with this truth. And if so, praise God. Let him do the work. Let him start the process. Find somebody. We've got people right now that would love to connect themselves with you and walk with you, walk out what it means to be a believer. To, to walk out what it, what it means to, to mature and grow in your faith. We, we've got groups starting right now that would love to have you be a part of for the sole purpose of you growing and maturing, giving you a place to play so that you can come to understand the Word of God better, so you can come to understand relationally what it means to be connected together for the glory of God and to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with God and each other. So, so let's, let's, let's dive in. Let's do some work this morning and see what God has for us. And so I'm going to ask you to join me as we pray, and we're going to do it like we did last week. Right? We're at posture here just, just for this moment. Nothing weird's going to happen. It's going to drop out of the ceiling. Uh, we just, just, just kind of as a reminder, okay, God, whatever you want to say to me. So hands up. Heart's ready. And then let, let's pray, Father, whatever it is that you have for us this morning. God, for me, I want it. I want to grow and mature. I want to know you more. I, I want to dive in and go deeper than I've ever gone. And Father, I'm praying that this morning for my brothers and sisters in this room. God, I'm praying that for even maybe one this morning that don't know you. Or God, one that's watching online that don't know you. Or one that's never really progressed past playing with the little Fisher-Price stuff. So Father, as we pray here this morning with our palms up, our hands open, our hearts ready. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you speak to our heart? And would you show us? God, show us where we're at. Help us hear that. Accept that and not be content there and start to do the difficult work of pressing in and growing and maturing in you. God, help us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
So as I said earlier, that the next phase is, is that of the child, child phase, right? People in this stage, they're growing in their relationship with God. Uh, they're beginning to grow in their relationship with other believers, with other Christians. Uh, they're starting to apply God's word in their life. They're starting to allow others to walk beside them in their journey with following Christ. And, and so this, those in this stage here, they're starting, to, they're starting to read the word. They're starting to really kind of just open it up and get in it. Um, an, an infant, not so much. They may visit it from time to time, but not really read it that much. They're starting to pray in this phase. If you're a child, you're starting to pray a little bit or, or, or journey out there and give it a shot and try more so than just for your meal or just at night before you go to bed. They're starting to develop some spiritual habits and disciplines, uh, people in the child phase. However, the thing still is mostly about them. Life is still mostly about them. Desires are still mostly about them. Their needs, their wants, their comforts. What makes me happy? What makes me feel good? Do I enjoy it? Do I not enjoy it? That's kind of the filter that still, everything still runs through. Well, was it fun this morning? Was it not fun? I mean, he had a basketball, but uh, that was about all he had for me. I mean, it's that kind of stuff that, 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 that the filter is running through, that the, the uh, assessment happens. Very, very me-driven. And so what we're going to see here in 1 John is this, is that the Apostle John, he's going to call Christians children quite frequently in this. And he's going to bring up their need for relationship. When he does that, because, because it's like he's their spiritual father. So he's going to model for them, and he's going to show them as he speaks to them about their needs. And what John's going to remind us is that we need to be plugged into a faith family. We need to be plugged into the faith family. That's how we grow. Relationships are the key to growth and maturity. Having people in our life that's going to press us, challenge us, walk with us, encourage us. Any, any like um, American Idol watchers? I mean, this is, like, this is not a trick. Okay, thank you. I see that hand. Just one of us, maybe two. Uh, okay. Anyways, American Idol is like this show. I don't know. Is this still, is this still even on? Okay, still on. I don't watch it. Um, let me know because I like to watch the first few weeks of it. But um, so American Idol is a show where you like sing and like you're going to be a big star. Carrie, we got Carrie Underwood from that. Thank you, American Idol, Simon Cowell. We appreciate that. Um, so so we, get, we get Carrie Underwood from that. We get like these, these people who come on who think that they're going to be something great and they're going to do everything they can and they're going to sing and, and it's a competition and, and you're going to go to Hollywood and they're going to make you over and they're going to help you be a big star if you've got the talent to back it up. And so what happens every time the first few weeks of that show? That's my favorite part. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like you get people on there who, who said their mama told them they were the best they ever heard. And it's obvious mama's tone deaf. Or, or, or deaf, period. You know what I'm saying? And so they come on there and like they interview them and these people like they are serious and like give me a mic, let's do this. And they grab the mic and they're like, hit the music and they start to, I'm not doing it. Because I'm that guy, I'm that guy in the first few weeks. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I know, I know people love me, and they've told me the truth about me. But for those poor people that go, I don't know, why I'm holding this. Those poor people that go on TV, those poor people that go on that show, the first few weeks, they get in there, and they are ready to go, and the music cues, and they begin, and the judges look at each other. I mean, and it, I don't know how, I don't know how they keep it together. I, I am just like, oh, this is so awesome for the wrong reasons. And the thing that blows my mind is they did it, they did it on national TV. Now, everybody in the whole wide world knows how awful you are. And the judges love you enough to tell you about that. Everybody else in your life didn't. You don't get to that place and not, people not know. You know what I'm saying? 
You, 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 you don't get to that place and people not know. I mean, what that's telling me is that those poor people, they don't have friends. You know? They're not in relationship with people who really care about them and who love them. It'd be like, no, no, bro, you put the microphone down. We'll find something different for you to do. I love you enough not to let you embarrass yourself like that. We don't want your kids being those kids at school 20 years down the road. Oh, I heard about your mommy and daddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, your daddy, he tried to sing. I, I, don't, I don't ever want to put that on my kids. And so what that tells me is that they've never journeyed together. They've never had real friends who tell them the truth. They've never been in intentional relationships where there's, there's honesty and transparency. And hear me, I, I, I love you enough to tell you I don't want that for you spiritually. I, I do not want that for you spiritually. We need to find people to, to do life with, to be poured into. We, we need, this is what we need. We need people in our life who love us who loves the Lord and are committed to him through that. And in that, they help us press towards maturity. That's what we need. We need people in our life who are going to tell us the truth about us, even if it makes us mad, even if it frustrates us, even if it upsets us. It, we need people that, 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 that care for us. Why? Because we think more highly of ourselves and we have blind spots. Every one of us in this room, you have a blind spot, I have a blind spot, where I think I'm doing good at something that I'm really not doing good at. Luckily for me, I've got a lot of people who like to tell me that. So... You need to find people. We need to find people to help us find those areas and have those exposed. We need, we need others to lovingly tell us the truth and to walk with us through the growing pains of maturity. That's what we need. So 1 John 3.16 says this. He says, he says this, 1 John. By this we know love, that he, he being Jesus, so we know love. Why? Because Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And sometimes laying down our lives for our brothers means being truthful with them, means walking in relationship with them and being honest with them. It's being like, dude, like, why aren't you loving your wife like Christ loved the church? It's having difficult conversations like that. Or why are your kids always crazy like that? But you don't stop there. You press in and you walk with them. Well, let me help you. This is what's worked in my life. This is what's happened with my kids. This is what I found out in my life whenever I'm not loving my wife like Christ loves the church and I haven't given my life for her like, like Christ has the church. This is what I found out. This is what I need to do. And so it's, it's having those kind of conversations. It's, it's laying your life down for your brother or your sister and being honest and truthful with them. But hear me, don't you do that if you're not willing to walk with them through it. You hear me? Don't, don't you be the spiritual discernment and the Holy Spirit police for everybody if you're not willing to engage and walk with and see the thing through. Now, now people will bolt when you start to tell them the truth about them. I know that, but you still be committed even then. I'm not saying like be stalkerish, like showing up in their window at night, be like, I'm here to pray for you. <laughs> that's not committed. That, that's, you, you should probably go to jail. That's not what I'm talking about, commitment. You can do that in your home even if they never know about it. If they bolt and they run with you telling the truth and loving them enough to walk with them truthfully, and they bolt because they're going to, let's be honest, I don't like when people tell me the truth sometimes. And so I'll bow up and I'll get all, and then the Holy Spirit does this work in me and he helps me come back and see, is it really real? Is that true? Is that really something in me? And then I do the process of working through that, all the while continuing to press into relationship with others who see that. So, so if they bolt, you, you can still be committed to them through prayer, every once in a while shooting them a text, sending them something nice, caring for them that way. Because what I've learned in my life, not all, but most times when you love someone right and you're committed to them, even when they bolt and they don't like what you're telling them about them, God will do a work and bring them back. 
And, and it, may, it may be, there's been times, there's been times that it's been, I mean, months, some even years before people do that. But I'm still committed to it. I'm still going to pray for it. I'm still going to, whenever God stirs my heart for them, I'm going to let them know, share that with them. But, but, but we, that's one way we can lay down our life for our brothers and sisters, is to care for, don't, don't let them be that first contestant on, on, on American Idol. Don't let them be like that in, in the game of life, especially as it pertains to their walk with Christ. Do not, do not be that. Love them enough. Lay down your life for them. And so if you ever wonder how to grow and mature in your spiritual life, just, just do it like what Jesus did. Love and serve others more than you do yourself. And you're going to grow. You're going to grow. Treat them like you would want to be treated. Verse 17, but if anyone has uh, the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart uh, against him, how, how does the love of God abide in him? Which is a great point, is it not? You're hungry? Oh, I'm going to pray for you. And you've got, you got like a pantry full of stuff. You, you, the, half of it probably goes bad. I mean, I'm not going to eat those llamas. I know what happens in like six years of the canned good food. If I don't come and put it out here in the blessing box, it's just going to go bad. I'm not saying give your llamas. I'm saying if you've got stuff, give it. Serve. Serve and give it away. If anyone has the world's goods, and here whenever I see that, what I'm thinking about is just a, a means necessary to help meet the needs of someone else. The world's goods, it's, it's means necessary to help meet the needs of someone else. That's what it is. I mean, I love you. There's a need. There's legit. I'm, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to give you what you need. I mean, in the last couple weeks, I've, I've heard, I've just heard story after story of people doing this. Like, like we hear of a family that wants to come, come to the after school here. And so we step in and we love. We make it happen. Some people step up and say, hey, I'm going to give for that. I hear of a guy giving away a car. I mean, who gives away a car? Who, who even has that on their heart to give away a car? I, I mean, story after story after story of seeing great needs in people. I mean, that's Acts two, act 2 stuff right there. All things in common, right? Even to the point of when someone was in need, they would sell what they had so they could help meet the need for the brother or sister. That's what they want because there was love. That's the driving force. That's the driving force relationally. That's what we need. Why? Because Christ first loved us. We've seen how he does it to the world. We see how he does it to his followers. And then maturity is us pressing in and doing the same thing that we've seen done and modeled, right? That's what it is. So, so, so to move from the infant stage to the child stage is we're starting to decrease a little bit. We're starting to see some of this. We're starting to engage and walk relationally with others. It's the world's good, man. If you've, got, if you've got the ability to meet a need, even if that ability is going to cost you something, it's well worth it. Well worth it. And that gives us some indication of where someone's at spiritually there. Verse 18, he says this. He says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. He says, children, beloved, brothers, sisters, don't just be full of hot air and big-winded and make big claims. I mean, bring some follow-up with it. Bring some follow-through with it. Don't, don't just like, like preach the message all the time without any follow-through with the message all the time. D don't tell somebody you love them. Show them that you love them. All about telling them that you love them. Does, does that make sense? You, you, you with me? You tracking? Yeah, 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 tell them, Absolutely. But if you just tell them and tell them, and tell them like if, if I just told my wife every single night, baby, I love you. Every morning, baby, I love you. I shoot her a little text, baby, I love you, but I never did anything to show her that I loved her. Is that really love? 
This is no, this is yes. You can interact with me. I enjoy it. Like, you fire me up sometimes and I'll get going. So I, I like that. I need that. We'll get there. No, the answer is no. If I tell her over and over and over and over and over again that I love her and I never do a single thing for her to show my love for her. And we see that, we see that throughout the scriptures, don't we? Faith without works is what? Dead. Faith without works is dead. Love without actions is not love. It's unloving. And so, so what I would say is this. Who you love and how you love is a huge indicator of where you're at in the discipleship process. Who you love. Because we like to love people that look like us, act like us, talk like us, kind of in the same place as we are. Right? I mean, that's our normal inclination is to drift towards similarities to sameness, Right? That, that, that's, kind of where, that's kind of where we head and where we, where we uh, go toward is, 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 is people look like us, talk like us, act like us somewhat. But, but the real act of maturity is, is who you love and how you love. What about someone that, that doesn't look like, isn't in the same place, doesn't live in the same neighborhood, doesn't drive the same kind of car, doesn't have uh, the same kind of kids? What about that? Because see, for Jesus, it didn't matter, did it? For Jesus, he didn't care. He didn't care who you were. He didn't care what your story was. Man, I, oh, some of my favorite scriptures are some of the, like, the shag nasties in scripture. You know what I'm saying? You don't know what a shag nasty is. It's somebody, it's, it, it's somebody low, 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 not in a good place, lost and needing help, and just, you, you just don't want to touch and be around. But like, like I, think, I think of the woman who, who was caught in adultery. She's, caught, she's in the middle of the act, y'all. And she's caught, and what does the scripture say? It says that they drug her out and threw her at the feet of Jesus. My question is, what about the dude? I mean, it takes two to tango, right? Mm-hmm. That's another summer for another day. It, it takes two to dance. I'm just saying. A homeboy off scot-free. I mean, let, let's... Anyway, she gets drugged out, thrown at the feet of Jesus. And then they start to come at Jesus, don't they? And they say, hey, we know what the law says. We know what the law says to do. She should be stoned and put to death. But Jesus, what about you? What do you say? And what does Jesus do? Kind of steps back for a moment. Oh, church is good. Hang with me right here. This is what I'm talking about, shag nasty. And what you need to understand is that every single one of us in this room, at one point in time, we're shag nasties in our life. You hear me? Lost, decrepit, about to split hell wide open in need of a Savior. And your sin isn't any prettier than hers. You hear me? Your lostness isn't any nicer and neater than hers was. She just got caught in the act. Some of us don't get caught in the act. Um, uh, the most gracious, loving thing God could do is let us get caught in the middle of it because then something's got to happen. We've got to do something with that. So, 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 so she's caught in the middle of the act. She's at the feet of Jesus. They ask Jesus what to do, and he just kind of, he, he stands there for a second, and then it says it begins to, to kneel down and doodle in the sand. And then he looks, and he says, man, May, may, the, may the first one without sin in their life, may they cast the first stone. You without sin in your life. When really the only one that didn't have sin in his life was Jesus. He, I mean, he had every right to pelt her. And then what does this story tell us? It says that they dropped it and they walked off. I think it says oldest to youngest. And then what does Jesus do? And I just mean, ah. Mm. It says that he kneels down and he picks up her face and he says, where are your accusers? Neither do I. Go sin no more. Oh, what a story of mercy and grace. Man, what a story of mercy and grace. He didn't have to love her like that. 
He didn't have to care for her like that. But what did Jesus do? He went to the ones that needed it. Did he not? He went to the sick. He didn't go to the ones that thought they were healed and had everything together and was all nice. No, no Jesus went for, went for the outcasts and the, the, the decrepit and the, and, and, and the ones that had nothing to bring and offer to the, to the socioeconomical uh, uh, gamut. That's who Jesus loved and walked with. Church, this is a great picture, a great picture of maybe our maturity, even as a church, how we, how we love and, and who we love. And so talk is cheap without action. Talk is cheap without action. We're to live it out. We're to be obedient and do what Jesus did, and that's to love others. So hear me. It's okay to be where you're at. It's okay to be where you're at this morning. Just don't be content being there. Don't, don't grow complacent in that place, in that area of your life. So hear me, it's relationships that, 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 that we hear what people say and we see how they respond to certain things. And then through that, uh, we can see where people are at spiritually, what area, what phase of the, of the stages they're in. As we walk with and as we do life with and as we see how people serve or they don't serve, how, how people read the scriptures or they don't read the scriptures, how people uh, uh, give or don't give or how people uh, uh, talk or don't talk, it gives us indication of where they're at. Because the child stage of the discipleship process is characterized by self-centeredness. It's characterized by self-centeredness. So do you want to know if you're a child or not? Who's life all about? Who's life all about? I've got three of them. I've got a 10, I've got a 6, and I've got a 19-month-old. And yes, I know I said last week he doesn't bring much to the table, the 19-month-old, but he brings a lot. I have been corrected, and forgive me, yeah, the other one. He's my favorite one. Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, there, I've made up for it. But, man, how are the, what are those little, little boogers like? I mean, it's all about them, right? Dad, what are we doing next? Dad, what, Dad, can we go to the toy store? Dad, can I have this? Dad, I want that. Dude, we just ate. But I'm still hungry, Dad. You weren't hungry back then, but now you're hungry for an ice cream? A brownie sundae? Uh-uh, dude, you're not that hungry. If you weren't hungry enough to finish your, your, your vegetables, you're not hungry enough to... No. You need to be starving before you get that brownie. <laughs> but what life, life is all about them. What's next? Me, 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 my, 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 me. And hear me, if, if that's your mindset, if that's your heart, if that's the way you act. And, and hear me, it's, it's hard to see if we're really like that. But if you want to know for sure, and, and you really want to find out, ask your spouse. Mm. Ask your coworker that you don't serve, they don't care for. Ask people around you that that'll really, and give them the opportunity to tell you the truth. You'll find out real quick whether or not life's all about you or life's about somebody else. And maturity should be marked by our pursuit and our desire for Jesus. Our life should be all about him. So whatever he says, whatever he wants. And so let me kind of help us here for just a second because, um, again, some indicators or maybe things that, that I've heard over the years or that, I'm, uh, uh, that, that I've, I've seen and experienced firsthand um, that people kind of in this stage say, and just, just listen to the I statements here, the I statements. I mean, I believe in Jesus, and I worship him best, but I worship him best in the woods in a tree stand, which is me and him, every Sunday. Really? Really? That's not maturity. And hear me, I'm, go hunting, man. Go hunting on a Sunday. I'm fine with that. I pray that you don't get anything, but go hunting on a Sunday. We don't have Sunday night service. Get in the woods before dark, yo, and shoot it then. Make me some jerky. I am in, yo. You know, like I'm, I will eat your deer jerky or chicken jerky or whatever jerky you're shooting. I'm, 
and, 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 and like honestly, like, like I'm not even like you need to be here every single time the doors open every single day. Because I believe if we'll do it, I don't think we do it much, but if we'll do it, I mean, go to the ball field. But you give them Jesus while you're there. Don't just cheer for little Johnny to make home runs and, and triples and doubles and pitch 95 miles an hour as a seven-year-old and get that scar. No, no, no. If, if you go, you tell them about Jesus while you're there. And, 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 you, you, and I'm not talking about like, like a little devotion. Let's just pray. Lord, help them win. Amen. Okay, we did it. We talked about Jesus. Did you really? Did you? No. I, anyways, okay, that's, uh, you can hear that. Um, Something else that I've, I've, I've heard and experienced is this, man, man don't, you can't birth my group. Man, we've been meeting, we've been doing this for a while, just, just do not birth my, well, first of all, it's not your group, it's not your life group, it, it, it's, it's everybody's, and, and the whole purpose and vision and desire for these groups is what, is to grow, why? Because healthy things grow, and healthy things uh, give birth to new healthy things, and, and we've got a world to reach, y'all. We have got a world to reach and to go after. And if it's just me and my four no more, we're not going to reach that world. That's anti-gospel talk there. That's anti-scripture talk there. No, no, I, I, want them, I want them things busting like popcorn at, at, at 2 minutes and 30 seconds in the microwave. Let, let's grow those things and let's birth them and let's send people out and, and let's, let's let God do a mighty work through us so we can reach more people. I mean, have you not noticed where the world's headed? Have you not noticed what, what's happening out there? I mean, this community, this world needs Jesus more than ever in our day. More than ever. And church, it's time for us. We, we were created for a moment like this. We were made for this day and age. Have you ever thought of it like that? It is 2022. And man, some of those guys that I love to read about, I mean, like Spurgeon and Lewis and some, and I'm just like, wow, like some of the Puritan types. I'm like, dang. Those dudes were deep, but you know what? God didn't see fit to put them in 2022. Why? Maybe they couldn't handle it. But you know what I know is we can because he's put us here and we're here living in this day for this time for a specific purpose and it's to make his glory and his fame known. So birth those groups. What about this, man? That sermon or that scripture just didn't really speak much to me. Did he open up the word of God at all? I don't care how good of an orator someone is. I mean, there are other churches that you go to that the guy standing up here would do a much better job. So it's not about the dude standing here in the pulpit and how he presents it. If he presents it, that's what it's about. Is he true to the text? Is he true to the word? Okay, you're probably not going to catch so many guys with like little like, like toys like this on the stage playing basketball in the middle of a sermon. That's irrelevant. Did he open up the word of God and did he tell us the truth about us and did he tell us the truth about God and did he, did he challenge us? as it pertains to the Word of God. Or I've, I've heard stuff like this, man, I love my life group, just don't, you can't add any more people to it. Just don't add any more people. The whole point of it is to grow into birth. Yes, we want to add more people to it. You want us to put a, put a, a sign on the door or, or out there on the board beside your name, full? Good luck? No, we, we want it to grow. Or, or what about this, man? I, mean, I, want to, I want to change the study that we're into something that, that interests me more. Stuff like that. I, I can't serve because I don't want to miss out on the service. Or, or, or I can't serve because I don't want to give up that much time. Or I can't serve because I don't. You, you feel like whatever the excuse is there. That, that's saying me, 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 me. All about me. All about me. All about me. We're called to give our life away. We're called to serve. We're called to care for. And you know what? Sometimes it doesn't matter if you're called to do that or not. If there's a, if there's a hole in the boat, you're going to let it go down? 
And we're going to jump in and plug it. And we're going to do with what we got to do with. Got to bring somebody along that feels called to that. To which he'll free you up to figure out what your calling is next time. Till the next hole comes up. Or to the next whatever comes around. Or what about this? Is, this is one of my favorite ones. The pastor looked right at me and didn't even speak. Well, have you ever thought that we have feelings too and we'd love for you to speak to us? <laughs> Just saying. And if you really knew what was going on in my mind, you probably wouldn't want me to speak sometimes. <laughs> Ask my wife. She'll tell you. Is this medicated Scott or not medicated Scott? Anyways. I mean, is that not just like piddly stuff? Oh, me, 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 my, my, my. That's, that's the indicator for a child. That's the indicator for a child. So, so hear me, because, because I want to be loving and gracious here as we, as we wind down, okay? Where I land, what I believe is this, is that the child and infant stage is where we find the greatest number of people in the church today. They get stuck, and they're just staying in these phases of the discipleship process. And we'll, we'll do some more work down, down the road here in, uh, in two weeks to kind of look at this and talk about this a little bit deeper and explain why. You'll, you'll see this again. But, but just as we assess the church, I would say here, I would say anywhere, any church out there, the best of the best churches, I would be willing to bet that the majority of the people there would land in one of these two phases, infant or child, infant or child. And so it's like the child phase. It's like, it's like people get saved and then they just quit. They just stop. Okay, I've been saved. I'm good to go. I quit. And, and they only get serious about following Jesus when, it, when it's convenient or, or there's, there's a need in their life for their good. Grandma gets sick. My kids are acting like fools. God, I'll get sick. I'll, I will read my Bible three times this week if you just fix them. Like, like we'll do that kind of stuff. And the church, we're, we're not off the hook either. It, we're not off the, it's like we share the gospel and God saves someone. Then we think we've done something. Then we just check out. Uh, because, because that's where the real work begins. Like, like you get, we play very little role in that part, right? Like, like we just get to share the gospel. We just get to tell people about Jesus. And God does all the work there, not us. He, he didn't call us go out and save people. And then you're done and you can sit in your seat and do your thing. No, 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 go make disciples. We share the gospel. He saves. Now the real work begins. Now we need to engage. Now we need to engage. See, see we'll step up when it's, when it's um, a good time. For us, or it's easy for us, or it's a great time to kind of criticize or beat someone up. I get to be the Holy Spirit police? Yeah, I'm in. I'll do that. I can tell you everything that they're not doing right. Yeah, I'm good at that. I call it the gift of discernment, brothers and sisters. God has just blessed me. Mm. Like, we'll do that in a moment. We will beat up, and we will beat down, and we will wear out, but we won't devote the time to intentionally doing life with to see them grow mature. Shame on us. Shame on us. So, so what do we do? As the band comes back up, this is what we do. This is what we do. Romans 12.1. Paul says this, I appeal. Paul is begging and pleading for these believers in Rome. He makes this appeal. To, to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present. What does present mean? Present means to give. Offer. Hand over. It's yours. I, I beg you by God's mercy. You can't do this on your own. I can't do this on my It's got to be through God's mercy, through God's love, through God's grace, through, through uh, a preparation of the Holy Spirit. It's God's working by the mercies of God to present, to hand over, to give the rights to. What are you giving? Your bodies, what? As a living sacrifice. Th that's what he's telling the believers in Rome to do. Through God's mercy, give yourself over to a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. What is the thing about a sacrifice? It's meant to die, is it not? 
A sacrifice is to die or is already dead. That's the thing about a sacrifice. The thing that, that's always intrigued me about, about this verse here is that, is that Paul gives us this oxymoron, right? You don't have a living sacrifice. Well, because the sacrifice is dead. A sacrifice is alive. If you put a live sacrifice on the altar, what does it do? It crawls away. It walks off. It runs because it knows what's coming. It's not going to stay there. But Paul urges the believers in Rome to what? To be, to be dead alive people. Your body, you, who you are. And so what Paul's telling the believers here at Rome is this, as well as for us today, is that we've got to die to self. We've got to die to self. We hand our bodies, we hand our mind, hands, feet, resources, everything that we got over to God to do whatever he sees fit in. You want to mature as a believer? You die to self right now and see what God does. You see what God does through you as a dead person, fully surrendered to his great name and to his glory. And then you ask him to make you aware of the needs around you. You'll mature and grow real quick, real, real fast. Die to self, not about me. Not about me, not about me. And I think what I need to make us aware of real fast too is this, is that that's what we signed up for when we said that he saved us. When, when he said that he called us to salvation, like he didn't promise us like the big penthouses and the nice uh, uh, cars and the spinner rims and, uh, and everything to be peachy king and, and a lot of money in our bank account. Uh, we didn't sign up for that. That's, that's a false prosperity gospel that this world's preaching and trying to get people to buy into and believe. But it's junk. No, no, what we sign up for is death. Death daily. Gruesome death. I don't know about you, but I like me a lot. You probably don't like me as much as I like me. I like me a lot. I mean, ask, ask my wife. She'll tell you. I mean, Scott's all about Scott. In any moment, I can be all about, I'm, oh, I like me. Oh, let's just take it in for a moment. But you know what? God loves me more than I love myself, and he tells me the truth about me, and he tells me that I need to die. And, and the most immature thing that I can do, spiritually or just physically, period, is just make life all about me. For, for me to be the ends to my means. Man, that's a life wasted. That's a life wasted. And what breaks my heart is so many in the church stay at that place and just waste their life in infancy and childhood. Man, man when, when God saved us, he saved us to have all of us, every ounce of us. There's nothing that we get to tell Jesus no to. Nothing. No area. We are dead. We are dead. And Jesus on the cross makes us alive. So over being transformed by the gospel, it leads us to a way of living and behaving that brings a devotion and commitment to God and to others. That's maturity. That's what happens. So where are you at this morning? Would you say you're in this phase? Would you say at this place? Are you stuck in this place? Is it all about you? I mean, I like this part of the service. I don't like this part. It's, it's, it's 11.15, right? I'm just going to tell you, it's 11.15, right? Trust me, you'll get to the buffet, you'll be okay. I, I try, y'all. Like, God, I try so hard to be done by 11. It just isn't in me right now. I don't know why. God's got a purpose and a reason. I'm sorry. There's other churches. We'll help you find one if you've got to be out by 11. Or if you just need to leave, there's the doors. And that's not smart. That was arrogant. I'm sorry. I was not meaning to be arrogant. I just believe there's some things more important than, than the buffet I want to get to. I'm not even going to the buffet. My wife won't let me do buffet. So if you want buffet, hit me up. I'm in. <laughs> she don't like buffet. Love you, baby. But um, 
oh, I'm on something. I don't know what's happening. But there's stuff more important. Man, I would much rather feast on this than on a chicken sandwich. I would much, much, much rather, much rather hang out with y'all and be in here with you guys and hearing what God's doing, what he's stirring, and what's happening. And if we go over, probably every Sunday, if we go over sometimes, take it up with God. He'll help me get better. He'll help me get better. But, but man, we, we need this, and I don't know where you're at this morning, and it's okay if you're in this phase. It's okay if you're an infant right now. It's okay if you're a child right now. It's okay if you want to be all about you right now. That's fine. I just believe that God loves you enough to tell you the truth about you, and he's going to help me help you. I just, I don't know why, but he's just, he's going to give me stuff like this to preach, and he's going to, because he's helping me help me. Yeah. He's working in me to help mature me because I need to mature and grow. I don't want to get complacent and stagnant and stay where I'm at. I, no, I, I want to mature. I want to grow. I want to go past this. So hear me, it's okay to be where you're at this morning. Just don't, don't be content there. And so what we're going to do here is in two weeks, come back. Please come back. In two weeks, we'll dive more into this and we'll see what God does in the heart of a disciple to get them to that next phase of maturity. What to be marked with, marked to be, uh, to be known for in the next phase. So hear me. So if you're a child, man, you, you be a child, but don't be content being there. And, and today could be the first step in your maturity toward the next phase of the discipleship process. And it starts with you saying yes to the Lord and no to self. Living sacrifice. I'm dead. I'm all in. God, whatever you want to do, whatever you need to do, I'm here. I'm yours. Take me. Whatever you see fit. Serve that person, I'm in. Go to that place, I'm in. At 11 o'clock at night, I'll do it. 7 o'clock in the morning, I know God's not up then, but we'll, we'll figure it out and we'll do it. There's, there's never a time I tell him no. Never a time. That could be the first step in maturity for you. Father, help us this morning to hear your word, to hear you, to follow after you. God, don't let my silliness and goofiness get in the way. Father, speak to the hearts of your people this morning. If you want to save someone, save them. God, if you want to press them along into maturity and they, need to, they feel conviction over selfishness or whatever it may be, God, press that on them. God, I can't do that. Only you can. So, Father, whatever you see fit, whatever you need to do in this moment, here in this place, God, online, whoever may watch now, months down the road, God, do a work, I pray. In your name, amen. You stand up. The altar's open if you want to come pray, if you need somebody to talk to, to encourage you. Whatever we can do, we're here to serve you. You be obedient in this moment.